I had the opportunity to speak with Josh and Jalen Harrell on one of my coaching calls, which was intended to help them grow their business. But little did I know that they would encourage my heart with a small portion of their story about beautiful forgiveness and redemption within their marriage. I know that not every story ends this way because I've had relationships near and dear to me that ended due to an affair, but I've also been very fortunate to see the true reconciliation that Jesus can bring after very real betrayal. I just want to start by thanking Josh and Jaylin for allowing us into a small snippet of their lives and their pain because I know that they did not have to say yes to this interview, but they were eager and willing to share in order to bring freedom to other couples. So during today's conversation, Josh and Jaylin discussed the hardship that they faced when Josh had a deep emotional affair that included photos and videos with someone of the same sex. They discussed the impact that pornography and sexual addiction have on a marriage, but most importantly, the very real work that Jesus has done within their relationship since that point. They discussed the healing process, the struggle in pursuing intimacy after the fact, accountability with other believers, and how Jesus has been the healer of their hearts. I pray that for anyone who has walked through the tragedy of marital betrayal, that you will also see the genuine hope that comes with the death of Christ on the cross for our sins and our brokenness. It does not have to be the end of your story. For those of you wives who may be struggling within your marriages, whether it's from small or large betrayals, or if you just want to grow closer with your spouse and become best friends again, I want to remind you that the Wife Project course from Roommates to Soulmates will have its final launch on November 7th. This eight-week course has been transforming marriages around the world and deeply impacting thousands of women, those who are single, engaged, married for five months, and those who are married for 50 years. Click the link in my bio on Instagram at Living Easy with Lindsay, or click the link in my show notes below to sign up for the waitlist or to learn more information on the Wife Project to see how you can bless, strengthen, heal, and restore your marriage through God's Word. Don't miss it. Let's jump into today's episode. We were never promised that life would be easy, but when we do it together, it becomes much easier. I genuinely believe that we have to be intentional about creating a joyful life. I believe in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. But those things require deep, holy heart work. I am passionate when it comes to sharing vulnerably about the things that people are not always comfortable discussing. And I am passionate about sharing practical wisdom that has helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. On the Living Easy podcast, you'll hear honest insight with a biblical foundation to help you become best friends with your spouse again, to love your motherhood so much that you don't need wine or even coffee to get through the day and to find hope in the very real trials and pain that we face moment to moment. I want to challenge you every Monday to live life with purpose, to choose joy, and to honor God with all that you do. Are you ready to fight hard for that sweet, abundant life? If so, I would love to do it together. So grab a cup of coffee and join me every Monday. I'm Lindsay Maestas, and this is the Living Easy Podcast. All right, Josh and Jay Lynn. Hi, guys. <laughs> How are you? Hey, Hi. So good to be here. Thank you for coming. Okay, guys, Josh and Jaylin are headed to Cancun tomorrow. Is it supposed to be rainy? 
It's like the offer. I'm praying that Jesus brings the sun. Jesus yes. Amen. The I'll pray with you. Support. It's pouring here in Tennessee, and I just don't know. I don't even know if that's any sort of connection, but it has been raining so much. But I will pray that it does not. When we went to where did we go? Riviera Maya. It didn't rain mm. once. Oh no, that's a lie. It rained for like 30 minutes after the wedding that we went to, but then it was clear skies and it was so wonderful. So I hope that. Yeah, I you. feel like when they say there's gonna be thunderstorms. It's like maybe for a minute and then yeah. it stops. So you can never really know. Well, and we went there for a honeymoon and it was like that. We it, actually went to Riviera Maya yeah. for a honeymoon. Oh, you did. It's been, been almost 10 years. Yeah, we haven't been there for 10 years. Yeah. And we were two totally different people <laughs> then, than yes. we are now. So we're excited. Yeah. This feels redemptive. Yeah, it does. That is so awesome. Okay, so going there, we are talking today about in a betrayal within your marriage that you guys now speak out about, you're very open and candid about in order to bring hope and healing to other couples. And so one, it's just really cool to hear from both of you that you're going on a vacation together and that you feel that it's redemptive and that you're excited and you're joyful and you're intimate in spite of an affair within your marriage. So I would love to just start, if you don't mind, by sharing anything that you feel ready to share about your story. Because I think a lot of people, especially as Christians, will often say, I can never have an emotional or physical affair. But I always say, never say never. <laughs> we are all sinners saved by grace. And as Paul says in Romans, we often do the things that we don't want to do. And I don't think anybody ever plans to have an affair or even an emotional affair or, you know, falling into addiction of pornography and all of those things when they say I do, but sin is very real and temptation is very real. So I would love to begin by allowing you to tell us your story of what may have led up to this point. I think the biggest thing for people to know is that it's not sin in all ways, but especially when it comes to, to infidelity, it is not an overnight thing. Mm -hmm. It's not like suddenly one day you wake up and you're like, I'm going to break my vows today. Sin is never that way. It's always small steps off the path. It's always small steps away from what Jesus intended for us. And I truly believe that what all culminated for us three years ago, because I was the one who had the emotional affair was the culmination of years and years of a combination of trauma and pain and addiction from my past. So backing all the way up, little bit about us is that we've known each other since we were in fourth grade. So we have been in each other's lives for mm. years. Yeah. And when we started dating, she knew that I had struggled with a pornography addiction. But I also thought, what guy doesn't, right? right? Like, what like, guy doesn't? It's a normal mm -hmm. thing yeah. that guys struggle with, and I just have to deal with that. Yeah, we had talked about it, and I was very open about it, and I had accountability in place and was working through that. And it's for anyone who's married to someone or who themselves wrestles with any kind of addiction, but especially a pornography addiction, it is very it gets its claws in your, yeah. in your heart and it gets its claws into your marriage and your, or your relationship. So I had, you know, had shared that with her. She was very aware of that going into our marriage and we had things in place for that. But I believe that at the root of all of it, that led back to even that, because I, people will argue that, oh, it's just porn or whatever. It's not a big deal. But the pornography addiction was the gateway that led to eventually having an emotional affair because sin never give, keeps giving you what you want from it. It always requires more of you because what it once gave you, it no longer does. And mm -hmm. so what I once was getting from pornography, which was validation and identity and security and, and all of these things, it no longer gave me. And so sin always draws you deeper and it always pulls you into something more. And I fully believe that 
that addiction was what was the gateway that led to eventually having an emotional affair. Because what you said, Lindsay, like no one ever thinks that they can do that, especially I think Mm -hmm. as believers, we think that's like the one thing I would never do. I would never, ever break my vows. I would never have an affair. I would, I would never betray my spouse in that way. And I was totally that way. Like Mm -hmm. I, I never, the thought never crossed my mind, never came across my mind that I could be someone that would do that. But I think that's the danger in it. I think we think we're invincible or we think that somehow we're not that kind of person, mm-hmm. but we're all the same. Mm-hmm. We're all the same and sin doesn't know the difference. Speaking of pornography, because I agree with you, Jalen, it is so justified and excused. And it's something I've shared in past episodes, but it's something I was kind of given access to at a young age. My boyfriend at the time made it seem like it was so normal and it was so kind of, I mean, normalized amongst him and his friends. And then as you get older, people are just like, well, you can't get upset about that. You know, it's not a big deal. It's just, it's so normal. But I learned a long time ago from my pastor about the physiological effects of pornography and in a nutshell, and you guys can look further into this, but how it creates an actual physical pathway in the brain as just imagine a tunnel in your brain actually fit. They can see it on a scan that it creates such a deep addiction that there is no pleasure that satisfies in the way that pornography satisfies. And so as you're saying, it digs a deep, deep pit into deeper sin because you're just trying. It's almost like you're, you're grasping at straws, trying to satisfy And then the wife often feels like they're not enough, but it's really not that it's variety and it's unreal. I mean, these people, it's all staged and glamorized and it's just not real life and it's not sex in the way God has intended it. And throughout scripture, it says to lust after a woman is adultery and it is to you know, better to cut out your own eyeball, (laughs) which is a huge statement. We, We kind of just say that, but I'm like, cut out your eyeball. God is saying that is better than to lust after a woman. So just for those who may justify pornography, I just want to speak into that a little bit and I should do more episodes on that. But, and then Jalen, I would love to hear. I think the world needs more episodes on that. Amen. But I'd love to hear your perspective, Jalen, kind of as like, as the process with dealing with the pornography and then coming into the emotional affair. Well, you know, and I, pornography is such a tricky animal because I've never looked at pornography myself personally. I never felt like that was a struggle of mine, but I would argue that women struggle with pornography in the emotional sense, emotional pornography, right? When we watch movies and I was a big movie watcher growing up. And so I actually, it was funny with, you know, our story and, and diving into that like, like we were talking about pornography was just like a, okay, everybody does it kind of a thing. It's something I have to get used to. I was also my story and I'll tell my version of it and then how we came together about it. But when I was growing up, I was overweight my whole life. Like so overweight, like at least 30 to 50 pounds overweight. And I always felt self-conscious about that. I I had a food addiction, right? So just like what Josh said, addiction breeds other addiction. Mm -hmm. And so that food addiction and the identity issue that comes with addiction, because I do think identity issues are really where addiction is rooted. Mm -hmm. When we, when our identity isn't centered in who Christ says we are, and we try and let the world like pornography or food or different things take hold of our heart and try and find our identity in it, it's just not sufficient 
enough. Mm -hmm. And the sexual addiction part is super interesting because it's one of the most sacred places that God has for us. And I think that's why it's so damaging Mm -hmm. is because that is an area that God intended to be so pure and so holy and so righteous. And so I think about like how the brain changes when we watch pornography Mm -hmm. and then with abuse. So my story actually roots in sexual abuse. So I, I had a severe emotional eating addiction. I didn't realize it at the time. And so I was just looking for love in all of the wrong places. And it started small, just like Josh talked about, right? It started with a boyfriend wanted to kiss me and I didn't want to have my first kiss. And I felt pressured into doing that so that the boy would like me because I didn't feel like I had anything else to give looks wise. So I might as well give my acts and might as well be willing to do that. And so that was sixth grade that that happened. I'm a little sixth grader. And that was a little step into bigger and bigger sexual abuse that happened in high school. There was a point where a bigger abuse happened and that really shattered my world. And that trauma led me into my own sexual addiction where I had the need for control and wanted to make sure that I I was always in control of sexual situations with my boyfriends. And I always justified it like, well, I'm saving myself for marriage. So I'm going to do everything but sexual intercourse, right? And I hope it's okay if we get real on this. (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) Sorry, Uh, (laughs) y'all. But talk about the real things because I didn't realize that I was sexually abused in high school. I actually Mm. thought it was just something that happened. But when I looked back as I was healing from our betrayal, I looked back on my life and looking back and seeing all of the different abuse that led to more abuse that led to us not connecting the way God had designed Mm -hmm. in our marriage. There was a lot of brokenness Mm -hmm. that happened and we were about what, six or seven years, seven years. We were were six years. It was six years. years? years. Yeah. We were heading into our seventh year Yes. when kind of all this happened. And it's interesting that, that she brings that up because we both, no matter what you do, both people come into a marriage with a sexual past. Mm -hmm. Both people come in with their experience, whether it's a large history or not. And I think neither of us really thought we had that much hurt when it came to this part of our, of our stories and this part of our lives. And when, when kind of everything came crashing down in 2018, just a little bit about that, that story, because I think the context of it is important. It was spring of 2018 when we, when we kind of had like people call it D-Day. And I've noticed this as we shared more about our story, a lot of spouses refer to that as, as D-Day. And for those of us who journey forward, and I just kind of thought of this, but for those of us who journey forward and who go into recovery, I kind of want to call it our day, not mm-hmm. D-Day, because I want it to be the day that restoration began, not the day that everything came crashing down. Cause it was, it was the day that when I, when I opened up to her and I told her what I had done and, um, and I had my affair was emotional in nature, but there were, there were sexual and physical components to it. It wasn't somebody who, who lived near me. If I can caution anything in the digital age, everything in our betrayal story happened online. Yep. Mm-hmm. I had never met these people in person. None of it was ever in-person interactions, but the damage that can be done by the things that happen on your phone and the things that happen on your computer that no one else sees. Photos, videos, just secret. as damaging. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. because it and it's so insidious because you can keep it secret because it's just normal for everyone to have their privacy and so and so can I just say something yeah, to that effect? Yeah. Really so as as a wife, I had noticed over the last year, Josh had gotten more depressed, more anxious than normal, and I felt the distance between him and I. And so 
actually this conversation that he's talking about came from, remember, I've been sexually abused. I don't realize it yet. I think my spouse is my world. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I want him to love me and I'll do anything to make our relationship right. And And, and on the flip side of that, I was also in the place where I just wanted to keep everything good in our home. mm -hmm. I didn't want conflict. I didn't want um, peacemaker disconnection. Yeah. I was the peacemaker. And so it was this codependency that had bred within us where she wanted me to just love her no matter what. And I wanted to please her no matter what and keep our home free of conflict. And that's a dangerous place to be because you start to not talk about things. Yeah. Yeah. And idolatry comes into play. Yeah. When you're idolizing and putting them on a pedestal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was, it was almost my relationship with Josh was greater than my relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I do think that the world puts marriages on a pedestal. Like, your marriage is supposed to be the best thing and it's supposed to be perfect. And that's a lot of pressure to put Mm -hmm. on your marriage. And I actually started seeing a counselor because I wanted to help Josh with his depression because Mm -hmm. codependency (laughs) runs deep. And so, you know, I went into that and she had actually mentioned something about PTSD. Like, are you sure he doesn't have some PTSD? And I'm like, I don't know, maybe. And I I mentioned that to you. Mm -hmm. And a couple of days later, we had the big conversation. Well, it was, yeah, it was shortly after that, that I got into to counseling for myself and, and just unloaded. I think a lot of times people, at least in my experience, the things that I did were born out of a lot of pain and out of a lot of unresolved trauma in my past, mm-hmm. um, emotional, relational. Part of my story is that I, I wrestled for years in silence by myself about my sexuality. And, and that was a big part of um, something she didn't know, something I kept from her for our entire relationship. And so all of these things that were kept in secret kind of came to a head and kind of culminated in what took place over the coming months, because then we had that conversation and that was kind of when everything, that was our D-Day. Uh, that was the day that everything mm-hmm. kind of came crashing down in the foundation that we had built for our marriage, which we found out was not actually, we thought it was founded on Christ. And I think it's easy to think because you go to church and you grew up a Christian and you, you know, you got married in your church and you go to church together and you serve together that Christ is the center of your relationship but it's these, it's things like this that really test if he is or not. And for us, we found that he wasn't the foundation of our, our marriage at that point. We were each other's foundation. And when mm-hmm. who she thought I was no longer was, because I think that was a big part of it is that she, I remember her asking me like, has the last six years just been a lie? Like, has it all been for nothing? That really showed us that like, while wow, we had really idolized one another, even though it's a totally valid question, we had really idolized one another. And when suddenly I wasn't, you know, I seemed like I wasn't who she thought I was. It really, it shook that foundation a lot. So as you kind of discover this, Jalen, as you're walking through, he is your world. And, and that really is the danger of idolatry because when we make our person, our ultimate thing, and then they fail us, we come crumbling down. I mean, I've seen that with Jesse, you know, just last night, he was disappointed in me in a decision that I made with the boys. And I was disappointed in myself. And when he came back down, he gave me so much grace back downstairs. He gave me so much grace. And I sat and I was just like, oh, I can breathe. I was relieved. And I had to take a second to step back and say, but I should have sat at the feet of Jesus first. And I should have received that grace from Jesus. And it shouldn't have been that my full repentance, my full relief came from my spouse's response. And so I'm constantly backtracking and processing through and repenting of that idolatry because it's really easy when that person is your all in all. And when you are best friends and you love them so much, but 
while it's not a bad thing to love your spouse, it is a bad thing to place them as you're saying above Jesus and above your relationship with him. And a lot of the time that looks like that you're sad at, you're looking for them to satisfy every need, longing, all of your joy, all of your peace, all of those things should not come from your spouse. And so knowing our spouses are sinful, they are broken, they are bound to fail us with the mindset of them being that everything, it can really wreck our lives when we discover. So how did it impact you when you found out? And what was that? You were already seeing a counselor. So did you go into speaking to that counselor about it? And how did you guys work through it together? Yeah. So what's funny is, remember I mentioned I had a severe emotional eating addiction. Well, four years earlier, I had actually lost 95 pounds in nine months and I got that part of my life right. And in that journey, so over the last four years, I had gotten so close to Jesus, like Mm -hmm. never walked with him so close. I was also Mm -hmm. a new mom. And I feel like as a new mom, you like cling so much tighter to Jesus because you don't know what you're doing. (laughs) I need you. (laughs) Right, exactly. And I was just finding through, I started a health coaching practice. I started helping other people gain freedom in this place in their health. And that was super healing for me because I was seeing not just the weight get lost, but the weight stay off. And I finally was treating my body as that temple, like it says in the verse, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so that I do not defile it. And that was a powerful shift for me that I think was a game changer Mm -hmm. in me dealing with the betrayal because I was a healthy person in a lot of areas in my life before this happened. So I kind of knew where I needed to go in order to help other places get healthy. I had a strong relationship with Jesus. It only got stronger through this. I also knew that I needed help. I knew Mm -hmm. that this was like, I mean, when someone betrays you in any form, whether it's pornography, I mean, it can be as small as something that they do or say, or like they notice a woman out and about or, or even a man, as we've heard, Mm -hmm. you know, like there's so many things that can happen or even the lack of, it was like neglect or, you know, those types of things those things start little and then they, again, they get bigger Mm -hmm. and that, that really does make a difference in your healing. And so I had noticed kind of the pieces crumbling for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I reached out to my therapist who I just met with. And I was like, okay, now we need a lot of help. Like, can we please, can we please connect? So I did individual therapy. I got a group of two to three women that knew because at this point I've just found out that my husband is wrestling with same-sex attraction. Mm-hmm. We go to church. We so stay I, in the church. Our we, family works in the church. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. We grew up in the era where you don't talk about those things in the church. So it was a very like it was a very like lonely yeah. time in the sense that there was no real there was no real path forward for us to know what to do totally. or how to handle it. Because we both, and I think this is an important piece to mention, we both made the decision that we wanted to make our marriage work. Yeah. Yeah. It was not, it couldn't have worked if one of us was in and one of us was out. And that was one of my first questions yeah. to him when when he dropped the same-sex attraction bomb or some some of you might hear the term SSA be thrown around. That's in the church, yeah. In the church. When he threw that bomb, I said, are you sexually attracted to me? Because... There is a verse that says, like, if sexual immorality gets in the middle of your marriage, I mean, you technically have an out as yeah. a Christian woman. And, you know, that's that's a really important thing to, I think a lot of churches will preach, like, stay married, stay married, stay married. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's everyone's story. This is just ours. And mm-hmm. so I really felt like God was saying, and I, I prayed about this for a long time, cried a lot. And I said, God, what do you want me to do? I have these two beautiful boys. They were one in three at the time. Yeah. And what, what do we do? Mm-hmm. What does our family do in the midst of this, like obliteration yeah. of our family? And I heard God say, well, if he's willing to work on it, so, so are you. So are you. And mm-hmm. so I took the steps. I started connecting and we had great counselors. I'm so thankful to our team at Living Wholehearted and just the wholeness of their practice yeah. was so mm-hmm. important in this process because I do think there's a lot of counselors that will pay you lip service to the things you're talking about, mm-hmm. but they won't get to the deeper issues. Yeah. And is that a local? Everything. Is that local to so you? So they're located in Oregon. Um, oh, okay. And so if you're in Oregon, yeah. they're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Living wholehearted, but they also um, they have a, a ministry and a podcast. And the wife is a licensed marriage and family therapist. The husband is okay. a, a coach, and so they partner together in that. And and our process really like when when I came clean to her about everything about mm-hmm. the emotional affairs because it unfortunately and this is common when it comes to sexual addiction, the confessing happens in waves. It's not always right at once. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I could say I told everything at once and that was it. That was not the case. And so we did have to, there were some serious steps that we had to take that I think if someone's listening to this, who, who maybe is the one who betrayed trust, I hope you hear this. If your spouse is willing to stay and work on this and you are too, you've got to know that whatever they need to feel comfortable in that, especially in the initial impact phase of things and, and kind of the shock of it all, whatever they need to feel comfortable and to rebuild trust, you've got to be willing to do. Mm-hmm. And so when we were in that phase, that meant I took a polygraph test because at this point I had lied so much and I was so good at it that she didn't know she could trust me. So I took a polygraph test. That was a suggestion from our therapist, yeah, by the way. Again. So I just yeah. want to make that really clear. That wasn't like, right. that wasn't like hey, I, yeah. I actually didn't want to ask you to do it no. because I felt like that, like what kind of a wife asks her husband? Well, I'd like to speak to that because some of the people that I know who have struggled with this have battled with the amount of detail they were given in the moment that they found out, because I think that is human nature to want to know everything. You want to know every detail. And now they're more haunted by those details Mm -hmm. than they, because it just causes them to feel triggered. It causes them to have these random memories then compared to not having that information, do you feel like you struggled with that, Jalen? So what was nice about the way that we did it was he he had told me, you know, I have, have to talk to you, that, that yeah. classic line that no wife ever wants to hear or husband, yeah. like we need to talk. He had told me that initial thing, but that was like the surface. And then we really let our counselors guide us yeah. in what was best for trauma recovery as well as betrayal recovery. Well, and, I remember, oh, sorry, go ahead. And they did a great yeah. job. Like they, they, we had a whole session before Josh took his polygraph test with our counselor together. So we did individual therapy and joint therapy at the same mm-hmm. practice so that our guys. counselors could talk to each other. Yeah. yeah, It was really a positive experience. And I am really thankful for the individual therapy for myself because there was yeah. things I needed to just work through and then things we needed to yeah. work through in unity. And so one of those sessions was the confession session. But that one was hard because there was things that that confession session I had not heard. However, I don't feel like it was, there wasn't super huge detail right. and that was intentional. She right. actually told him, don't say details of mm-hmm. like 
what you did or how mm-hmm. you did it or different things like that. And I'm so thankful for that advice because once you hear something, you can't unhear it. Yeah. yeah. And she, I remember our therapist just saying, ask yourself, because I gave her full permission. That was one of the things to ask whatever she wanted. Oh, yeah. I was willing to share whatever she wanted to hear. But the, the wisdom that our therapist gave her was think about when you knowing that information, will it move you towards healing or is it going to create more discord or is it going to create more heartache for you? Because knowing the details of things, like you said, it does. And I've talked to people, it creates these haunting memories or things that they know about that they just wish they had never known because it's actually not producing any healing in their heart. Mm -hmm. It just produces doubt and insecurity. And then what happens is no matter how much that spouse who is the recovering spouse is trying to rebuild trust, it can make that really challenging Mm -hmm. because they, the, the spouse, the other spouse knows so much it's almost like it, it's a blockade for them to be able to trust. And so it's like, you're, you're shooting yourself yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Like it's not, I, there was so many questions that rolled through my head. And if you are a betrayed spouse, you will have all the questions, yeah. but I would encourage you to use your filter and how you ask them because you can't unask the question you can't unknow yeah. what the and you can't is. unknow what the answer is. And there was just some things like how and like some of the deeper questions that I could tell weren't from God or Jesus and some things that I just needed to say, you know, is that really important for me to ask? And sometimes I would ask my counselor for like, I want to ask this question. Is this a wise thing to ask? And what you said was really key there about, we have to, I think as followers of Jesus, when we're in, when we're walking through this process, we have to let the Holy spirit guide Mm -hmm. the process. Mm -hmm. We have to ask those questions when we're not sure, when we don't know what to ask, when we don't know what to do, coming together individually. And then as a couple and just asking like, God, what do we do here? What's the next step in healing here? Because you feel like you're in a wilderness in the process of it initially. And you just don't know which way is up, which way is down, where you're going. And that's where- I mean, probably on both parties, on the end of both parties, it is shock. Well, and I want to backtrack for a second to what you mentioned about biblical exemption kind of when it comes to divorce, because I do, while I believe wholeheartedly marriages can be redeemed after this, I have seen it time and time and time and time again, unfortunately, but I have seen it. But And I think that in it, we say unfortunately, but at the same time, the amount of power that God has shown me through those marriages that he has redeemed has been so I mean, honestly, it just puts me on my knees because I see this brokenness. And I think if I look at it, I could never, you know, that's my immediate thought. I could never do it. But then I see people who walk through it and they are brave and it is hard as heck and they want to die sometimes and they are broken and devastated. But then you just see the glory that can come out of it. But referencing that verse, just for those of you who don't feel like that is an option for your marriage and you feel like there is repeated sin, unrepented sin, or just adultery, and you don't feel like you have the strength, it's Matthew 19, 9, and it says, And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. So this is biblical permission to leave a spouse once they have committed adultery. Though God does hate divorce and God hates adultery, but God desires for restoration and redemption. And he is that God and he does give us the ability to do so. I want to read this little quote by John Piper. And I want to talk to you guys about forgiveness. Forgiveness after something like this, and you know this, (laughs) and I have seen this, 
is a miracle led by the Holy Spirit. And the second miracle in that relationship and after a betrayal is that repentance and long suffering on the part of the one who has committed the adultery or the betrayal. And John Piper says, the rebuilding of trust requires a patient, humble, long-suffering endurance. Being forgiven is not a right to be demanded, but a gift of grace to be received with humility and thankfulness and tears. And trust coming from the spouse who has been betrayed is not like a stake you drive in the ground and walk past. It's like an acorn that you plant in the ground. Someday, God willing, it may be an unshakable oak tree of trust, but it will grow through tender stages by patient protection and watering and nurturing through storms that will threaten to kill the sapling of trust. Both of these miracles, forgiveness and years of long suffering, are lived by faith in the promises of God. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you, either of you, in Joshua 1.5 or Hebrews 13.5. That kind of promise from God, holding on to that through all of those years, that is the way that the miracle of forgiveness truly happens. Every time I read that, it is just so powerful to me because not only for a situation like this, but forgiveness in all relationships. And so while that forgiveness and rebuilding is a journey, our God is a powerful God of restoration. And so I want to hear what forgiveness has looked like for you guys. Once forgiveness is chosen, it is a choice to move forward. As you both said, we both chose to remain in our marriage. So how do you both handle triggers or reminders when they pop up in your mind? Josh, how do you handle the temptation if it is still there? And how do you come together as a couple to work through those things? Oh, so many, so many questions. All, and I quote, love it. I've never heard, but it's so good. <laughs> yes. I feel like it's so powerful. Quote, especially because scripture talks about oak trees a lot. Um, and like a mighty what oak. What is that? Isaiah, Isaiah 61. 61. Is it Isaiah 61? Mm. So 61 or 63, one of the two. I don't know. But the imagery of an oak and just, I love, I love that quote. You know, I would say, and going back to your brokenness, I have, I have my little, you guys can't see this on video, but this is a broken piece of pottery. It's called Kintsugi art. Mm-hmm. And Kintsugi art is a Japanese form of pottery where they take broken pottery and they mend it together and restore it with gold in the cracks. And if this isn't a picture of what I feel like God does for us, I don't know what it is. Cause this is, this is our marriage in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Like it's the highlighted of the brokenness. So mm-hmm. many people think like, I want to just be back to like the normal pot that it was. And I don't want to be back mm-hmm. to what we were before. Cause it wasn't healthy. This is so much prettier the, the gold in the cracks where you can see the brokenness, but God restores it to his mm-hmm. glory. That to me is the power of forgiveness and redemption. Yeah. And that only comes from Jesus in our story, right? Yeah. Like there is no way we could have taken yeah. even going to therapy and counseling. Like if Jesus wasn't at the center of it and I really, I liken it to this. So as a wife, as a betrayed wife, I had to get into the place where my relationship with Jesus was rock solid. And I had a lot of questions like, okay. I mean, I really had a choice at that point where I could choose to do this with Josh and keep going, or I could choose to like go find someone who maybe hasn't struggled with same sex attraction or hasn't betrayed me. And I just felt God's voice tell me, and it was just like, you know, when you have those thoughts that pop in your head that you're like, no one ever told me this, but that's the Holy spirit, my friends talking to you in your mind. And he said, 
you know what Josh's thing is. You don't know what someone else's thing is. Everybody has their sin. No one is what, I don't even know what the reference is for that, but like no one, no one has the ability to run away from that. We're all broken people. Mm -hmm. And so if I had left Josh and chased after some other guy, I would not find Jesus. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I'm not going to find Jesus. Jesus was the perfect one, but I'm seeking that. Mm -hmm. And then we get disappointed. I think that's why many women who seek divorce, maybe a little bit too early before forgiveness and reconciliation find themselves in the same place with guy number two, because they haven't redeemed their relationship with Jesus. And I had to really go to a place where it was me and Jesus against the world. Mm -hmm. Like if Josh, and this is still true to this day, Josh could cheat on me tomorrow, my friends, like you could be hearing our story and he could betray me tomorrow. I have boundaries in place if that were to happen again, but I know that no matter what happens, it's me and God me and God against the world. And my identity is in him. It is not in our marriage. However, Mm -hmm. I will say I am stronger because of our marital story and what God's done in the middle of it. And that's why we choose to stay together because God created us to be with each other and to make this beautiful piece of pottery that could show his glory in the midst of the brokenness. Mm -hmm. And if I were to go away from that, you know, that testimony is different and it takes two people to come together in unity yeah. to do that. Yeah. yeah. Good. From the kind of Lizzie, from the questions that you asked me, it's as the person who betrayed trust and that can look like a multitude of different ways, but I, that quote really resonated with me because even this morning, because <laughs> God's really timely, you know, like yeah. he just plants things right when they need them. But even this morning we had a situation come up that, that was one of those triggers for her and for me. And in my mind, I, I had the, the prideful thought of like, well, it's been three and a half years and I've been faithful and I've been honest and I've been true. And I've been living in the covenant of our marriage and I've been honoring that. So why is this coming up? You know, why is this an issue? And I had to check my pride in that moment because I was like, it doesn't matter that it's been three and a half years. And yes, there is a point where there's certain things that it's like, okay, we have to move beyond that in order to move into deeper healing. But Mm -hmm. this is where that healing happens is when we're able to address those triggers, those things that come up, those painful moments with grace. I had to remember that I needed to to come from a place of humility of like, of course, she's going to feel this way about the situation because it brings up hurts of how Mm -hmm. things happened three and a half years ago. And so being understanding for me and that long suffering of, it's a process to continually build and foster trust. Mm -hmm. And you do it at all costs because aside from my relationship with Jesus, which is first and foremost, this is the most important relationship that I've been given and protecting and honoring and fostering the trust that we are still in the process of rebuilding is essential to me because I, I believe it's what God has asked me to do. He's asked me to honor and steward, honor and steward my marriage. And so I had to, that doesn't always mean that it's going to always be, you know, this boundary is like this, and this is like this, and you're in this, this confine, you need those safe boundaries while things are healing Mm -hmm. and the boundaries adjust and change over time, Mm -hmm. some of them. But for me, it was a reminder of first and foremost, I need to protect my marriage and I need to honor my marriage. I need to protect the trust that we've worked so hard to build. And that looks like conversations and talking through different communication is really key. Yeah. I mean, communication was 
was ultimately the breakdown of why things happened in the first place, because we yeah. weren't, we weren't talking about the pains of our past. We weren't dealing with those things, but even ongoing, it's been, I have to ask her questions. Are you comfortable with this? Are you okay with this? Does this feel safe for you? You know, and having those honest and feeling, and she asked me conversations where it's like, you know, and I would, I'm sure you would encourage and I'll let you speak to this, but like you asked me questions of, Hey, is this going on? Hey, I've noticed you've been a little bit more isolated lately, or I've noticed you just maybe been a little bit more to yourself. Is this going on? Is this happening? And Mm -hmm. I need to choose to humble myself in those moments and not be like, why are you second guessing me? But just knowing that she's looking out for our marriage too. She's Mm -hmm. looking out for our relationship too. And she's, she's trusting those promptings to ask those questions and it allows space for us to communicate and, and for, it really builds further trust because when I can honestly say, no, this is not happening or yes, I'm feeling this way, but this is the reason why mm-hmm. it builds, it rebuilds trust and it reinfuses trust into our relationship that wouldn't be there if I just brushed those things off and, and got frustrated or got irritable about it because, you know, haven't I earned your trust back? Like, yeah, to some extent, but there's also areas where they're still hurt to heal. You just yeah. never know when someone's going to be triggered and you never know what's going to trigger you. And it's just funny when they come up, like I wasn't expecting a trigger to come up because it's been a while since yeah. a trigger has come up for us. And I found myself moving toward anger and you might find yourself moving toward a specific emotion. Mm-hmm. And that's usually the enemy trying to like twist your mind a little bit and be like, okay like radars on and it seems like it's a God voice, but it's not Mm. quite a God voice because you want to be mad and upset and gain control. Yeah. And I really had to, I mean, we had to just, we were at the gym, you guys like at the gym this morning and I, I was angry. We're at discourse and I was like, we got to just pray in the middle of the gym because Mm -hmm. there's people that need to hear these words today that we have to say. And I want to, I want to glorify God in those things, even in this moment right now. And when we take these things up to the Lord and we ask those, those really honest questions, like, are you sexually attracted to this person? And you have a covenant between each other that you need to be honest and that there is no condemnation when you are honest. Like that is a very safe place where trust can live. Mm, And there, there are hard conversations that we have had to have that, we're like, oh, we probably shouldn't step into that place right now because it's not yeah. a healthy place yeah. for us to step into because of the triggers versus now right. and what it does to our hearts because healing is a process. I think I wanted yeah. all of the healing to be done in yeah. a year and like, I'm good, God, let's go. Yeah. And I mean, we're three years out yeah. and we're still processing and and learning. Yeah, and truthfully, trust is, is something that's nurtured. I thought that imagery of the tree, like it's nurtured in the soil of the hard conversations, Mm. not nurtured in the moments when it's really easy. Trust is built when things are hard and you lean into Jesus and you lean into one another and you humble yourselves and you have the hard conversations and you move forward from there. That's where the trust is built. Did you know that the Wife Project from Roommates to Soulmates will have its final official launch on November 7th? There are so many of you who are already on the wait list, patiently anticipating the drop of this course, and you will be joining over 1,000 women from ages 20 to 65 who have taken this course to strengthen their marriages. And a praise report, we have people from nearly every country in the world who have bought the Wife Project to improve their marriage for the glory of God. 
But if you don't know anything about The Wife Project, I'm so excited to share a little bit about it with you. So let me begin with a question. Have you forgotten what it is like to be best friends with your husband? Have you become more like roommates than soulmates? I think it's safe to say that there are very few people in the world who walk down the aisle to say I do while also having the thought, I hope I have a mediocre or failed marriage that ends in divorce. No, right? We naturally desire to have the best and healthiest marriages, a marriage full of happiness, spiritual growth, pleasurable intimacy, laughter, and faithfulness, the kind of marriage that thrives when God is at the center. But then life happens. We forget the promises we've made to God and one another because we're so caught up in the broken and worldly expectations of what we thought our marriage would be. We spend more time looking over the fence at someone else's grass than we do looking at our own and doing our best to water it and nurture it. And I totally understand that marriage can be difficult. You are two sinners coming together with different upbringings, different desires, and different personalities. Jesse and I have been through the ringer ourselves in different ways. And those things can cause conflict, confusion, and loneliness when it's not worked on by either person. Kelsey took the leap and invested in the Wife Project course, and this is what she had to say. Lindsay, my husband and I have been struggling for a little while now. There was nothing wrong with our marriage. It is just hard at times. Kids and work created stress on us, and we love each other, but constant miscommunication and trying to fix each other has left us both exhausted and ready to give up. I'd been praying for a reason to keep fighting for us and to keep working at this. We've tried Bible studies, marriage counseling, date nights, etc., and nothing seemed to work. The Wife Project showed me God's vision for our marriage. I realized that I need to stop trying to get my husband to fill a role he was never created to fill. I began to understand my role in all of this. I also learned that I can work on the things that I can control, my attitude, my heart, and my intentions, and that that has a huge impact on his responses toward me. Thank you for giving me the tools I needed to save my marriage. I truly believe that you are a gift from God to our family. Friends, the fact of the matter is that there are two people within a marriage, and it can sometimes be tempting to point our fingers at what our spouse is and is not doing. But the truth is that pointing fingers and telling them what they're doing wrong over and over again does not fix anything. You were never intended to play God or be the Holy Spirit in your husband's life. God has called you to be a love him wife, not a fix him wife. So do you desire to run this race well, to fight hard through the mess and the muck while holding high the beautiful institution of marriage that God has woven into the fabric of creation? I have always been passionate, and if you listen to the Living Easy podcast, you know this, I've always been passionate about redefining what it means to truly fight for your marriage as a wife while challenging the false notion that the joy, the passion, and the pursuit of holiness in marriage will eventually just fizzle out. God has called us up toward holiness and commitment with the ultimate goal being to honor Him within our marriages. My heart behind The Wife Project is to challenge you to become more like Jesus in every area of your life, which then will flow deeply and widely into your relationship with your husband and break generational habits so that your children know what a healthy marriage actually looks like. Amy said this, I only just started following you a couple of weeks ago, Lindsay, and I'm so inspired by how relatable all the content is but it always comes back to how I can focus on Christ. And that is the key to healing my marriage. One more thing to add, the Wife Project has helped my patience and kindness in parenting. It is helping my entire home and the assignments are actually work that I want to do. This is a beautiful gift that you've given. I can already feel my wheels turning, my heart closer to God and my whole being more gentle and tender to my partner. So good. 
Wives, it begins with you, and not because your spouse always gives their best, but because Jesus has called you to be a good and godly wife to honor Him. The Wife Project is an eight-week, ten-and-a-half-hour video course that you can work through in your own time, and you have lifetime access to the course once it is purchased for only $197, which is less than two marriage counseling sessions. I also offer payment plans to help you guys out. This means you won't run out of time and you can watch it for the rest of your life. It also comes with a 70 plus page wife project journal with actionable marriage challenges, memorization verses, and journaling questions to help you implement what you're learning right away. So click the link in my show notes on my Instagram link or on my website, sparrowsandlily.com to be added to the waitlist and to learn more about the wife project. Don't miss the last official launch. We will see you there on November 7th, 2021. Love you guys. I just want to take a quick second to thank Weem Vitamin Gummies for supporting the Living Easy podcast. This past year, I have been so much more intentional about caring for my body, though I have gone through highs and lows. But for once, it isn't about how I look, but how I live. I want to be around for a long time with my boys. I want to run at the park, kick the soccer ball, ride bikes around the block, and wrestle with them on the floor. I do not want to feel lethargic or sluggish or uncomfortable in my own skin while I'm raising my two very energetic children. So for me, this means eating a cleaner diet with healthy foods, getting myself to the gym or working out at home, and getting my vitamins. So today's episode is supported by Weem Gummies, vitamins that I personally love and take every single morning. They are sitting right next to me in my office. I take the Immune Boost Gummy because it's 2021 and who does not need some immunity strength right now. And this gummy has vitamin C, B, D, E, folic acid, elderberry, and zinc to keep your immune system strong. I have now also replaced the apple cider vinegar shot that I took every single day with my Weem apple cider vinegar gummy because it also includes apples, beetroots, and pomegranates, which each contain different vitamins and a range of other nutrients that can help maintain a healthy heart, cholesterol levels, and enable a clean digestive system. Apple cider vinegar's functional therapeutic properties include blood pressure reduction, antibacterial activity, prevention of cardiovascular illnesses, and reduced effects of diabetes. Weem gummies are vegan-friendly, non-GMO, gluten-free, low-calorie, and you can find them on weem.com, W-E-E-M.com, and use my code LIVEEASY for 10% off your purchase. Now let's get back to today's episode. The stuff you're saying, because it is, it really is just so good and helpful. And you all know, by the way, that the reason that you felt attacked this morning at the gym was because you're coming on to this conversation and you're willing to share with thousands and thousands of people your story. So thank you for doing that. And of course, the enemy does not want you to be a part of that. But even just hearing this, I'm sure there will be freedom brought from other people. One to hear okay, they're fighting through it. They're doing well, but also it didn't just go away and disappear because I've heard people say, you know, I've always wanted to talk to a couple, you know, who just continued on and continues living their life, like as if nothing ever happened. But I don't think anyone actually lives after an affair or betrayal as if nothing ever happened. You live stronger. You live more reliant upon Jesus. You live more communicative. And those are all really, really sweet things that come from the relationship. But like you're saying, that doesn't mean it isn't still a struggle. And so, Josh, I want to ask you, and feel free to not answer this question if you don't want to, but 
for Christians who are listening to this, who have struggled with same-sex attraction in the past, I know that that is not something that you just get over either. And my question is, how do you process through that while being married to a woman? And then Jalen, if you want to tail end off of that and express kind of how that has made you feel, as you said, it's kind of a struggle. Are you sexually attracted to me? What does that look like? And how do you navigate that together? Yeah, absolutely. I love this question. I do too. Because I think we have to talk about it. If we're not talking about it, we're doing everybody a disservice because that was one of the things before you go, that was one of the things we found when we realized we were, we were going to go through this journey. I started looking up like, what does the church say about this? I went to Google land. There was resources. Yeah. There was nothing. But what we found in conversations is that more people than not are closet struggling with Mm. this, especially right now with. It's actually a lot of, yeah. And it's the culture that we're in now too, where I will say growing up, because I I noticed it probably, I noticed that the differences in my sexuality probably when I was in like early middle school. Mm. And so it was pretty early on. And so all throughout those, which is common throughout those formative years, it was very much the the church culture when we were that age was you just, you don't talk about these things. You don't talk Mm. about it. No one's going to have the ability to really help you through it. So you don't bring it up. So what it did is it just bred a lot of shame over time. And it bred a lot of putting my, I put my identity in a lot of other things. I put it in my performance and how I could do it in school. I put it into my sense of humor and using that to cover up pain. Um, I put my identity in uh, relationships and how validated I felt in relationships. It is a process when, when you are wrestling with your sexuality and it doesn't look exactly the way that, you know, God designed it to look. Because I do still, some people go, what is your beliefs then? And what the Bible says, well, I do still hold the beliefs that God created man and woman for each other. And people sometimes are surprised when I say that, but I have seen in my own life and experience what happened when I pursued what my flesh wanted. Yeah. And it led to deeper pain, deeper anxiety, deeper depression, deeper insecurities, I never doubted God more in my life. I never doubted myself or other people. I never questioned relationships more. I never felt so insecure as when I just gave over to what my flesh wanted. I can say I've wished many times God and I have had words, lots of words. um, And I've asked him (laughs) many times. I feel a lot like Paul with the thorn in his flesh. Like I very much resonate with that because this is, this feels like the thorn in my flesh where I've asked God many times, God, just take this away. I don't want it. It's not pretty, it's, it doesn't, it's not your design. I don't want it. I don't need it. Take it from me. And what I will say is that um, God hasn't just taken it away. Mm-hmm. It's not just like overnight God and not that God can't, I'm not, I don't know. I don't yeah. know how all the ways that, that God works, but mm-hmm. oh my gosh, the amount of amazing, amazing ways that I have been able to just minister to people who wrestle with this, mm-hmm. um, the conversations I've had with moms who have come to me and said, my, my teenage son just came out to me and I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to, I don't know how to do this. And for me to just be able to, to just encourage them and how they can love and lead their child and point their child to Jesus, not to say Jesus wants to fix you, but just to say that Jesus just wants to love you and pour out his, he wants, he wants you to be in the fullness of life that he made you for. And conversations I've had with other people who are married, who who wrestle with this. And obviously we have, we have 
you know, context and boundaries in place for that, for that to happen in a healthy way. But it has produced the, the ability for so many incredible conversations to just point back to Jesus because people will ask me, well, why did you, I had someone ask me last week, why do you still follow Jesus? Like, why didn't you just leave when you realize when you kind of realize this, why didn't you follow your heart? They say, uh-huh. mm-hmm. That's, and the world's going to tell you that the world's going to tell you that in the context of, of betrayal too, it's mm-hmm. just go, go do what feels right in the moment. Go do what feels easy in the moment. The heart um, is deceitful and, above all things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And we want it. We just so easily want to forget that when, uh, when our heart's been broken, we want to believe that the brokenness that we feel is true. And yeah. it's not because, because that is our hearts deceitful, right? We're humans. We're broken. But what I realized is that I just, I just want the way of Jesus and I just want to follow Jesus. And so Jesus, sometimes that looks like very different from the world. It, it almost always looks very different from the world. And so the reason I've chosen to follow Jesus and the reason I continue to is because he's, he's the anchor, he's the foundation, he's the sure thing that has never, in my story, never drifted, never swayed, never moved. He's yeah. always been constant. So even when I felt far from him, he wasn't far. And looking back on my story now, I can see that. And, and I just, if there's anybody who is listening that you're walking through this with a family member or you yourself experience this, or you have a spouse who is experiencing this, just know that Jesus can do so much amazing work. And I'm not saying he's going to come in and fix things or change things because I don't think that's his ultimate ultimate desire is that he just wants our hearts. He Mm -hmm. wants, he wants intimacy and connection with us. And that's, that's what he desires most. And I, I truly believe this has been the thing in my life over the last several years that has continuously drawn me back to Jesus. When I get Mm -hmm. off course, it's the, it's like my warning signal. Mm -hmm. When I start to struggle more in this area, it's because I've veered away from my relationship with the Lord and he uses it to pull me back in Mm -hmm. and to draw me back into a relationship. What would you say to the question? Because I know it will come. So if it is your natural way then God must have created you that way. Not that I believe this, but you know, then God, God must have created you that way. And so why are you fighting against it? Because it is your natural way of things. Well, I think there's a a lot of things we feel naturally that aren't necessarily God given. Amen. You know, I have a natural propensity to want to eat sweets all the time because I have a sweet tooth. (laughs) If I just gave away to that, I'd be 400 pounds. Like I have a natural propensity to uh, lie. To Our lie. kids have a natural <laughs> yeah. propensity to lie because yeah. they don't want to get in trouble. Like but there's brokenness that we have self-natural yeah. drawing to. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. But natural doesn't mean that it's it's God's best for us. Right. Like it's what fleshly. we experience in the world. Exactly. Yeah. is flesh. And what we experience as even though other people would look at this and go, it's natural and it's not harmful. Well, I live, I've had to really learn to live my life through the filter of what is, what does God's word say? Because I, as a follower of Jesus, I have committed my life to, I believe his word is true. And what does his word say? And so what can happen is we can get things backward and look through the word, look to the words through the filter of the world. Mm -hmm. But what we need to do is look at the world through the filter of the word. Mm -hmm. And when I look through God's word and I see the design and the beauty and the way that he created uh, intimacy and sex and marriage and the, and the, the beautiful design of it, like how he created it. It's so amazing. That's my first, that's my filter. And so when I, when I'm wrestling with what feels like a natural desire that I should just go with, I can look at it and go, well, if it were God's best for me, it would be in alignment with his word. Mm -hmm. And it's not. And that doesn't, I think I used to feel shame about that. I used to feel guilt about that. I used to feel broken because of that. Or like I was, but we all have areas of our life that are not in alignment with the word. 
We all have natural instincts and propensities that don't line up with God's word. And that's because the world's broken and we're human beings and we, we aren't going to, our life's not going to naturally fall in alignment with God's word. If it did, that would be God's perfect intent. And I think that's what he wants for us and what he designed us for. It's stopping making sexuality, the other thing that somehow is that somehow um, doesn't, doesn't fit the, you know, what am I trying to say here? Like, we make it's, it this other thing. It's that like the it's idol. Not like, yeah, it's, the it's not like any other. It's not like any other sin. No. And sexuality is like any other sin. And when it, when we look at it that way and stop treating it like it's this other thing, we can then look at it like would anything else in our lives and go, is this what God's word says is best for me? Mm-hmm. And if it's not, then we have to ask. For me, it's a lot of conversations of just asking God. Okay, so I know deep in my heart that this is not that this is not your best for me. So how do I navigate this? What does it look like to honor you with my life? What does it look like to honor you with this part of my life and to let you into it and to not hide away in shame or to not just go the way of the world, but to really walk this out with you? And I have to ask that question a lot. I love that you brought up the the part about homosexuality, same-sex attraction, any of it being the ultimate sin. And this is a conversation I have often. It is not the ultimate sin. As you're saying, we, we put it on a pedestal in our culture and mm-hmm. instead of seeing it in alignment, everything is level at the foot of the cross, right? So when people feel this deep and great shame, I believe that it's because our society places that deep and great shame. It is not a shame that God places on you. That is what people and Christians, unfortunately, are placing mm-hmm. on you. That's why we have to look to Jesus who says, everything is level at the foot of the cross. All of your sin, we are all broken and depraved sinners saved by grace, by his grace alone, not by our works. So there's nothing that you can do, whether porn addicted, same-sex attracted, prideful, selfish. I mean, the list goes on, gluttonous, whatever it might be, those are all level. And when we see that, I think as Christians, we will free so many people from the weight of shame that they carry in their lives. And I'm just so thankful to hear you guys speak on this as well, because I think that people who are listening, as you said, it is more common than we think. It is just something that people don't want to talk about, but it also gives them this sense of freedom to say, you know what, this is not like, it doesn't have to be end all be all for me. It doesn't have to be the way that I follow just because I feel it. It doesn't have to be my identity because my identity is in Jesus. It allows me the ability to say, hey, here's a struggle. Let me be open to give freedom to others. And then also say, hey, Jesus, I need you. I need you in this area. I see my depravity. And not that it makes you ruined, not that it makes you bad, not that it makes you harmful. I mean, all of these lies that I I believe are progressively getting better over time, but I don't know that they are just that they are lies, but that God's grace redeems God's grace restores. And God just desires for you to live a beautiful life for his glory, full of joy. And I love Josh that you said that just because you're so honest with the fact that when you were living in that, in its fullness, and when you kind of just gave way to your sin, that you felt this great distance from God, you felt the deepest depression you've ever felt because you're saying, I'm just, I'm giving into my fleshly desires rather than fighting what for what God has for me. Okay. So I know we, I literally could talk to you guys for hours. And so I know we have 20 <laughs> minutes. I want to ask you a few questions that have been asked often by my audience, um, women, men who have struggled, as you said, Jalen, 
women struggle with pornography addiction as well. And it is also the fastest growing rate of infidelity is among young married women. And many of them have been molested or adult children of divorce. And so a lot of it is like this intimacy deficit where I believe we always think that it's the male, but females, women often struggle with this as well. And so we are speaking to both men and women when we talk about this, but One of the questions that I have received is, does the betrayer ever really stop thinking about or feeling curious about the person that they were with? And Jaylin, do you ever think about, or did you ever think about getting even? You know, that's a great question because I feel like I really lifted that. And I still do. Like I think about him occasionally he'll just pop into my mind. The devil likes to do that. Like Mm -hmm. here, think about this thing that makes you mad or, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's where I really needed to have forgiveness for him because one thing that I've learned and, and Josh, you didn't mention it, but I think it's so important to say so pornography doesn't just start like the, the same sex attractiveness doesn't just happen. Mm -hmm. Like there's usually a trauma associated with all of those things. And that's what I learned just by, we did a really great group therapy called Mending the Soul. And that is available all throughout the U.S. Oh, um, it's like look up mendingthesoul.com. It's, it's all folk. It's all, it's a betrayal work, recovery program. And it's really abuse good. recovery. Yeah. And, abuse okay. recovery. and I think because of the fall, we have all been abused in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. And I could go on and on about all the different ways that abuse happens. And, but I didn't realize that that abuse had affected me until I went back into my past, cleaned out my wounds, which is not fun. Mm-hmm. And realized that every wound that I have, Jesus died on the cross for. He mm-hmm. experienced it like I did. And when I was thinking about, you know, this betrayal situation, when it was really fresh, I really had to say, you know, he's broken too. Mm-hmm. And I, I would pray for him, pray for healing for him. Now I don't want to be really close to him or anything like that, yeah. but I had good boundaries for myself yeah. about when I needed to think about him and when I didn't. And I would just continually give it up to God continually. Cause those types of things can really seed in your heart if you yeah. let them. And I really wanted to make sure that that wasn't something that was going to happen to me. And now the building trust piece happens with awareness too. I think the other piece is just having awareness is so vital and so key. And that curiosity is not a bad thing. It's like Mm -hmm. keeping your, keeping your eyes open to what might be happening around you, but realizing, do I need to take action on this in curiosity Or do I just need to ask a question or do I just need to check in? Do I, maybe that's like a need for me to communicate, but um, that's kind of how I've taken forgiveness and the, the getting, getting even peace. There's something you want to say. Well, and you never really like, I didn't feel you ever held anything in spite over me. I think like there was never, I don't know if you ever had the desire to, but like you never were trying to get even with me by holding things over my head. And I think because we had a lot of, I think I have more people kind of go in both two realms. They either want to get even and revenge is there. And I want to make their life miserable kind of a thing. And that stems from hurt, right? Like hurt people, hurt people. Mm -hmm. And then there's the other, which is, I feel like victimhood. Yeah. Right. We can live in victimhood of like, well, he betrayed me. And I was in that 
in the beginning for a little while. And it was funny, the more betrayal stories I heard of people who were healed because I wanted to be healed, right? I wanted our marriage to be healed. Mm -hmm. So I looked to people who had gone through it already to see what they were saying. And no lies. I heard so many women talk about how they needed to work on themselves. And that made me so mad because I was like, he did it to me. It's my, but that was a, that was a pride thing. That's a big, like Satan wants to twist the little things and have it be about us. And when it's about us, it's not about God. And there was some, some deep healing that God wanted to do with the things that had happened in my past, the victimhood that I had been put into because of past abuses. And it's funny how when Jesus just fills all the cracks in your brokenness, you have nothing but love and grace mm-hmm. to give people because that the fruit of the spirit comes out of that dependence on him. Yeah. And it sometimes it takes a little while. Yeah. yeah. And, and Lindsay, to speak to your question, when it comes to thinking back or, or, you know, remembering the, the other partner in the, the betrayal process, what I have found over time, it was a lot initially. It was frequent. And that 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 I had to really work through because there when you when you are the person who who betrays in that way, whether it's a, a, a physical affair or emotional affair, you create a bond with somebody that you were not intended to create with somebody else outside of your marriage. That leaves wounds and that leaves pain. And so then you pull that apart for the sake of obviously for the sake of our relationship, but there was still like pain to heal from that. And so initially it was often, and it was a lot of processing that through counseling and figuring out, okay, I want to forget this. But like you said earlier, you you don't really ever forget. You can't just move on and forget things. But what I have noticed is that as I continue to ask Jesus to come in and just heal those parts and help reveal to me what I was seeking out in that, that I, that I felt I wasn't getting And the more that I've seen him fulfill those needs, either through just himself or fulfilling those needs through, you know, relationship in our marriage, the more healing that's taken place, the less and less I think back to that. Now I think back and and it's more, if I think of that person, it's more of just sadness for what took place and sadness for that person and wanting that person to experience freedom in Jesus and to have that kind of uh, freedom and restoration too. But I think if I ever feel like that longing or that temptation come up, it's because I, I can instantly know that that's a warning sign that I'm not, I'm not connected to the Lord. Like I'm not, I'm not abiding in him because when I'm abiding in him, I'm in his word, I'm in relationship with him. And that doesn't mean things are perfect, but he and I are working things out and, and we're having the tough conversations. I don't feel that lack. I don't feel that draw, that temptation. But when I'm not, it's the first thing that comes and it's the first thing that comes in, in to try and, and drive a wedge. And it's for me, it's just become like a rumble strip on the road to know that I've, I've got to get focused back on Jesus because I'm look, starting to look elsewhere for my needs to be fulfilled when I really need to be looking to him. Okay. Next question. How do you deal with triggers and reminders when your kids are present while still remaining respectful towards your spouse, but speaking your mind honestly? Oh, we get this question all the time on our Instagram, like all the time. (laughs) How are you talking about this with your kids? What? So, I mean, we are very honest with our kids. Now we're not telling them the ins and outs of all of our stories. They're six and four. Yeah. Our boys are six and four. So it's age, age appropriate, but. And I'm thankful that they were really young when it happened because they understood that mommy was crying. And so we talked about emotional intelligence through that. 
And we use our story in bits and pieces. Like right now we focus a lot on lying in the little things because it was those little things that yeah. broke big things. And mm-hmm. so we teach our kids that all the time, you know, what you do that's little, it turns up to be big later in yeah. life. And yeah. that's something that we want to, we want to make sure yeah. that our kids know. And so I'm, I'm thankful for our story because I feel like it allows us to parent better and parent with more of a gospel centered lens to the issues. And I, gosh, dang it. I'm so thankful. God gave me boys. I didn't want two boys, but I want a boy and a girl, like every woman wants, I think, but, um, but boy, mom, like this, the Mm -hmm. statistics of pornography in kids, I mean, our child's already seen a version of pornography on an ad on his series. Like, it's but that's the thing. The average exposure now is seven six. for, yeah. for six children six to seven years old. And so because we recognize the world that we're in and because we recognize the things that weren't talked about that led to where we were, I feel like we've taken those triggers to those things and we try to use those as opportunities for, okay, what's what's the way that we can address this topic with our kids in a way that is going to help equip them in the world that they're in and give them a safe space. Yeah. We want them to always feel like they can come to us with anything yeah. and it's not going to scare us away or make yeah. us like shy away. Cause it makes us uncomfortable. And, and sometimes we have to step away and have conversations. Like bring Jesus into it. Jesus, yeah. we need you right now yeah. in this moment. And it sounds weird to just be praying that while your kids right next to you. Cause I think a lot of times we do prayer individually or privately, but our kids need to see us come to Jesus first before we talk to them about hard things that they hear at school. Like there was a situation that our oldest son, Lennon, who was five at the time, he had at school with another child at recess and Mm -hmm. these things happen. And he Mm -hmm. just casually mentions it at dinner. Yeah. And that was chocolate about trigger. Like it was, it wasn't a huge thing, but it was, again, it was a small thing, but it was instantly a trigger for us. Our red flags went up. We both react. You know, we learned that, okay, we were kind of had a reactionary moment with him. And, but what we did is we, we had to take the next hour and a half and we had to pray as a family and we had to ask questions. And, and I think that's a lot of what we've learned to just show our kids is when those things come up and you feel just overwhelmed by your emotions. So oftentimes when you're triggered, it's um, like reason kind of just goes out the window mm-hmm. and it's just this emotional response. It's this, the emotion of the moment that something might've happened years ago and it comes back. And for our kids, one thing that we really, we do really teach with them is how to give those emotional responses to the Lord and ask him what he wants to do with them because they're not wrong. Our feelings aren't wrong. Our triggers, you're not wrong for being triggered, but God does want to do something there. He does want to do healing there. And the more that we've been able to learn to, when they come up, go straight to like this morning at the gym, go straight to the Lord in prayer. Thank God for this woman and her, and just her heart and Jesus work in her life, because there have been many times that she's been like, we need to pray. We just mm-hmm. need to pray. But there's right also now. been many times I've just yeah. been mad. So <laughs> I just want to like, yes, I'm the superhuman yeah, Jesus no. woman. No, that's well, not and true. Speaking like, of, yeah, I speaking of anger, and this will be my last question. I think a lot of the result of that betrayal and that pain is anger or feeling like you're not enough. And then I'm sure for you, Josh, there was an initial set off of shame and embarrassment and frustration and all those things. How do you work through or bypass some of those things to make intimacy a part of your relationship again? What was that timeline for you guys? You don't need to be specific, but was it difficult to get back to that place? And how did you get back to that place where you felt comfortable in your own skin around each other? 
<sighs> it has been. It's, it's a process. It has, yeah. Like, yeah. I like it's our, it's our catchphrase answer. It's been a process. It has been a process on, and granted, we had some subtle nuances to our story. There's the sexuality component and stuff that played into that, I think, on my part, at least, where. Oh, yeah, that's a question. I, to get off. I really had to wrestle with with God of like, okay, what does this look like? Because we're journeying forward now together after this. How does this look? How does this work? I think I was probably ready before you to re-engage in intimacy, like physical intimacy again. And I, which I think is probably pretty common most of the time um, in these situations, I left it up to her and I would ask her if she was comfortable or I was very careful to engage, not in a, sometimes it was out of fear, I, I wish it wasn't, but sometimes it was out of fear. But most times I was I was trying to come from a place of respect of, okay, she is still, we're rebuilding trust here. And I don't know if she's ready for that step. So I think, again, we had a really open communication when it came to our intimacy on, are you ready for this? Because, you know, we, I remember, you know, we went to the coast one time for a trip um, and it wasn't short. It was shortly after that. It was for our anniversary Oh, that was and a hard weekend. That was a hard, that was a hard, hard weekend. There's been a lot of Lots redemptive of triggers then, but, that weekend. Mm-hmm. But we uh it was it was just a lot of like because initially there it's so tumultuous. Like sometimes we were like it was like, yeah, and then other times it was like, no, we're not, that's mm-hmm. we're not ready for that yet. I mean, you have to learn a new rhythm. That's probably the best way that I can describe it, is you can't undo what's been done. But God creates something new and beautiful out of it. And, you know, it was like an awkward dance. Like (laughs) there were some times where, you know, like we can tell it's not working. I'm thankful for Jesus just being in the middle of it all. Like I keep Mm -hmm. saying that, but there were times where we're sitting in bed and it's just like, what is going on right now? (laughs) And that those are good times because they yeah, we've actually had some really good conversations and a like bonding that has come over and that's intimacy too yeah. so i think yeah. i think sometimes we um we mistake physical intimacy and emotional intimacy and the importance of both of those things hmm. they're both really important yeah. now i will say like sexual therapy with the right person is really good to do. There's also, you know, I look to the word to see what does God say about sex and, you know, how do we, how do we learn? And we're still very much in that process of learning what does our individual sexuality together look like and myself healing my own sexuality from my abuse. That's been a work in progress Mm -hmm. too. Like learning that, you know, not all sex is bad and like, I don't have to be in control of everything. And, you know, there's lots of components to that. But the biggest encouragement that I would have for someone who is like maybe wrestling with this is have good people around you. First of all, like that want to see you be intimate with your spouse and have a loving relationship with your spouse. And then also just seek growth, seek growth in the things Mm -hmm. that are uncomfortable right now. Cause I just like when we walk, I think we forget that like the other things we do in our life, like parenting and being a wife and going through betrayal, it requires growth. And growth is not like some com- like, yay, I'm growing. I think we, yeah. we Instagramify it all the time. Yeah. Like, I want to grow. But like a seed has to be buried in the ground in the dark before mm. it grows into what you want it to be, mm. right? Growth happens and that in time. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. That burying is not an easy process. Mm-hmm. And the growing is not an easy process. And the breakthrough is not an easy process. Mm-hmm. But if you're willing to face the challenges and not just run away from them, 
you will experience what God has for you because yeah. Yeah. he has breakthrough for you. He yeah. has freedom for you. And those things are really important. Mm-hmm. Mm. Amen. Well, thank you both so much. I mean, I really, really appreciate your candidness. Um, I think that my sister-in-law once told me, don't give the devil all the glory because people just like to hear the dirt and we have to give God the glory. And I feel like you guys do such an incredible job at sharing pieces of your story, but also taking it back every single time to what Jesus has done in your hearts while also not being you know, reserved and and being vulnerable and honest so that you can bring freedom to others. So I really appreciate you both. I hope you have the best time in Cancun because you deserve it. And I would love for our listeners to learn all about you guys. So I know you have your hands in a bunch of millions of things (laughs) that are awesome. So if you could tell them where they can find you, um, what resources you guys have and your website name, that would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So on Instagram, it's super easy. It's just at restored living. So if you go to Instagram, you'll find us there. Um, we also have at restored health coaching. That is a part of just our, again, that's where a lot of our redemptive story started years ago. And so if you're just needing encouragement in that area of your life, in the health and in all aspects of your life, you can connect with us there. And we have um, resources all over the restored living Instagram. Yeah that you can point to and the highlights and things like that, that have been really helpful for people. And you yeah. guys do amazing reels that are so fun. <laughs> and I'm so proud of you for doing them. We've had a lot of fun with those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Lindsay was instrumental Lindsay was encouraging so... us to take a bold step. So and look, you've coach. done yeah. so Lindsay good. Madison. Thank you. No, you guys have done awesome. And then you both look amazing, by the way. Can you share really quickly? Cause you talk about your restored health, but the things that you have done and the things that I've seen your clients do, and this is not to like pitch to my listeners, but truly I'm always so excited to see your posts come up because you guys have done so well. So Jalen, you have lost like an insane amount of weight. I know you had said initially like 90 pounds, right? 95 pounds. And then I lost another 30 with my second son. So like 120 yeah. total. Gotta I got to count it all. I got to yeah. count it all. You do. But, for you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's um, I've been a health coach for six years now. And it's, it's my passion to help people become restored from the inside out, which is why our practice is called restored health coaching. And we really just focus on helping people create healthy habits in their life and deal with the hurts and hangups in their, in their heart that may have been causing those unhealthy habits. Cause we Mm -hmm. all run to unhealthy things for, for Mm -hmm. our comfort. And I just found such a deep connection with Jesus through pursuing my health and all that he had for me and my purpose. I think that's really our our goal is to help people have rebuild, restore, and renew themselves to their God-designed purpose. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that happens through your physical health, mental health, spiritual health, spiritual emotional. health, emotional yeah. health, surroundings. And so that's a lot of what we focus on with our clients. And we've helped over 500 people get healthy so far in our six years. And that and I love your before and after even, pictures of like of your oh. clients and of you guys. You guys, you're doing so well. So yes, yeah, so you guys check them out. If you enjoyed this conversation, we would really love for you to take a screenshot, share with us what you gained from it, or share with a friend or family member, son, daughter who may be struggling or who may just need some insight into how to navigate these types of situations as a Christian without shame and condemnation. And make sure to tag us at Living Easy with Lindsay. And which one would you guys like for them to tag? Do you have a restored preference? Restored Living. You yeah. can do Restored okay. Living. Yeah, okay. Living. Okay. And at Restored Living. Um, and find Josh and Jalen. I'll have their links as well in my show notes. And we love you guys. And we will talk to you next Monday. Bye.
If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to share the love. The simple act of taking a screenshot of this episode and tagging the Living Easy Podcast makes such a huge difference in my little podcasting world. If you are blessed, challenged, or impacted by this conversation, someone else you know might be too. So please feel free to share a little hope and joy with the people that you love. If you haven't already, please take 30 seconds to scroll down from this episode or the podcast homepage on iTunes to give a quick rating and review. This makes a huge difference and helps in getting great guests for future interviews. Don't forget to follow along with me on Instagram for encouragement, devotionals, and practical advice on all the life and faith stuff. Love you guys.